from West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Learn more at aarp.org wv. The Charleston Gazette Mail, using its CGM app to deliver the latest news, traffic, and weather alerts, keeping you in the know while you're on the go. Lumos Networks, online at lumosnetworks.com. West Virginia University, online at wvu.edu. Orion Strategies, professional public relations, government affairs, creative services, and research and polling, with offices in Charleston, Buchanan, Martinsburg, Pittsburgh, and Columbus. Good evening and welcome to the Legislature Today. I'm Suzanne Higgins. Tonight, a discussion on several important health care bills as they make their way through the committee process. But first, senior reporter Dave Mistich joins me to update us on dozens of attempts in the House today to change the Comprehensive Education Reform Bill. Welcome, Dave. Hey, thanks for having me. And they're still there as we are talking right now. Tell us what's going on. That's right. And, uh, you know, I should point out before we get into any of this, there's been at least three dozen amendments offered to the strike and insert version of the uh, House or the uh, Senate Bill 451, the Comprehensive Education Bill. Um, you know, we've heard basically every provision that was offered in this bill will likely see an amendment. Uh, we have yet to get to anything on charter schools or education savings accounts, two of the biggest provisions of this bill, the, two of the biggest debate, hotly debated, okay. uh, I should say. Um, but I want to start with uh, one of the, some of the, the, the amendments that have already been offered, and we'll go down the line here a little bit later. Um, in starting off debate on all these amendments, Delegate Bates offered to call for a, a study, a comprehensive study of public education in West Virginia. He basically said that, you know, we're going to do a comprehensive education reform bill. We need to take a look at the status of public education in the state. And we'll take a look at, you know, some of the comments that he made on the floor about that amendment. We spend $2 billion on education. It's the single largest item that's in our budget. We're talking about a bill that moves around $130 million in various ways to all our boards of education. There has never been a comprehensive, objective, nonpartisan study of how we fund higher education in West Virginia. We've never done it. We spend over $2 billion of state money. The estimates for this study is approximately $150,000. We've spent more money on printing copies of the bill than we've spent, that would be spent on producing this study. And delegate, in, you know, that amendment offered by Delegate Bates, it wound up being rejected. It was a very close vote, 49 to 50, that amendment went down. So. Uh, some other amendments to speak of, uh, Delegate Doug Scaff and some other, the, it was actually a bar, bipartisan effort, uh, Eric Nelson being a Republican, he was on this amendment as well, uh, a whole list of, of delegates that were, on, that were sponsoring this one that I'm about to tell you about. Uh, it would have increased the attendance bonus 
uh, for teachers who miss four or less days of work in a school year from $500, which is currently in, in the strike and insert version of the bill, up to 1000 And we'll take a look at some comments from Delegate Scaff on the floor. If you're for keeping those teachers in the classroom to create a better out product, our students, you vote for this amendment. If you don't think giving our teachers an extra $500 on a job well done to help create a better out product, a better student, a better future leader of this state, vote no. Vote no. Mr. Speaker, the bottom line here is this is comprehensive education reform. And uh, that, that, that amendment, it, did, it was adopted on a 65 to 33 vote. Um, so again, that, uh, that attendance bonus for teachers who miss four or less days of work has gone from 500 to $1,000. And then later, Delegate Linville had an amendment. He offered an amendment to the county levy hike provision. Right, and, and there's some interesting things at play here, and, and I'll sort of run through it, and then we'll go to the clip, and I'll tell you the rest about it. Um, you know, Delegate uh, Terry Seipolt, she had offered before any of this an amendment that would have... Uh, made these levy hikes that would have to been approved during general elections. So uh, that amendment was adopted 94 to 5. They went on to Delegate Linville, which would have struck this entire provision about the county uh, levy hikes. Uh, first, that amendment was adopted on a, um, let's see here, on a 50 to 49 vote. Again, very close. We'll take a look at some of the things he had to say about that amendment on the floor. Um. The thing that I would point out here um, is, again, this would strike this entire code section, would strike the ability um, to raise those levies past the already existing statutory limit. Um, so our local uh, school boards, our counties, and the voters in our counties will already have this ability for local control. But this legislature very often get, puts a maximum line on how far that someone can tax. As a, for instance, it's a 1% maximum sales tax on your municipalities. They don't, they don't have to put that in there on those that are in the, that are in the um, uh, pilot program that we currently have for home rule. Um, we set that maximum limit at 1%. So that is local control still, but they cannot go over that 1%. And we should point out, I said that that motion was adopted. There was a motion to reconsider that amendment um, that motion was, was adopted, and then they reconsidered uh, Delegate Linville's um, amendment to the bill about this, this, that would have struck that entire provision. Uh, the second time that they voted on that amendment, the amendment was rejected at 47 to 52, so that provision is now in the bill. All right, I think we have just a moment to talk about uh, Delegate Spinagle's uh, amendment. Sure, yeah, um, and that one, that one was a big debate. It was mm -hmm. hour, uh, at least an hour on the House floor uh, this afternoon. And that amendment would put a law enforcement officer in every public school. Should point out that you know th there was a lot of debate back and forth. How much money this would cost um, was it was a big thing. Uh, right, bef uh, Delegate uh, Spinagle had to revise that amendment once he got that back in. Uh, he spoke up in, in sort of closing debate on all this. Said that this would cost forty point five million dollars to put a, an officer in all six hundred eighty five facilities in the state. He said that came from the State Department of Education. Um, he also noted that uh, there was a school in Fayette County that was on lockdown while they were debating this issue of school safety. Um, should also point out that tomorrow is a one-year anniversary of the Parkland shooting in Florida. So this is all coming at a time. Um, you know, this is one chunk of a piece of legislation that you know is a conversation nationally. Um, that that amendment was adopted again after hours of debate 
on an 82 to 17 vote. That's so, significant. That's right. a significant ad. And we've seen the speaker take breaks uh, throughout the day, and they're going to be going in through the night. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the understanding is that this could go well to midnight, maybe even beyond that. Uh, we'll be, I'll be back on the floor, and you know, when this, all this wraps up, I'll have a, com a, a comprehensive story on the Comprehensive Education Reform Bill. But that'll be later this evening. Best thing to do, you know, log in online, follow along on Twitter. Uh, it's going to be a long night. All right. Thank you so much, Dave. We Thank appreciate you. it. In the Senate today, Senate Resolution 41 recognized West Virginia Kids Cancer Crusaders. This is a coalition with, with advocates who provide support to affected uh, families that are going through childhood cancer, adolescent cancer. Here are some remarks by Senator Glenn Jeffries. We hear that 80% of the childhood cancers will be cured. That statistics is driven by remarkable progress made in curing childhood leukemia. But unfortunately, there has been little change in the past 20 years in the cure rates for other childhood cancers. Last year, St. Jude published an analysis of the genetics of childhood cancers. They found that half of the mutations responsible for tumors uncontrolled growth are seen in adult cancers. That is why adult therapy cannot simply be weakened for a child. Childhood cancers are different. And that is why there must be more research in Pacific therapies for children. Joining us now are the chair of the Senate Health and Human Resources Committee, Senator Mike Maroney, and longtime committee member, Senator Ron Stallings. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you. Um, you know, those were emotional remarks. There were uh, we saw very young children and their families. These are cancer survivors, and it was it's really an appropriate way, I think, to, to start our discussion this evening. Um, you know, these are really, I mean, the, the, the issues couldn't be more important. The, the, um, the health of our children, our families, our communities. We are unhealthy. We are sick. We die young. We die before our time. Um, it, Senator Maroney, I'll start with you. Where is the sense of urgency about this? We, we have seen um, listed priorities of, of both parties. Where is this on the priority list? The, uh, the health of West Virginians is always on the priority list. <clears throat> the, we, um, it's, um, it's a very nonpartisan committee. Uh, it's probably, it's the, in my opinion, the most nonpartisan committee that we have. And although we do have certain roles to play, such as foster care bill and these other bills that are coming through, the health bills show up every single session. We try to get them through. Uh, a lot of them are anti-smoking bills that, that would help. There's been tax bills for sugary drinks that, that haven't seen the light of day. Uh, but in particular, I think uh, where our attention should be is on the smoking bills because of the devastation that smoking does to families, kids, as far as health. And um, we make them through health every year, mm -hmm. but they, 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 mm -hmm. never, they never cross the finish line. And I know that you've had to sometimes go up against leadership to either, you know, keep a bill or run a bill. 
Yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's tough. There's uh, in my own party, uh, there, there's there's just a lot of personal freedom. People that believe in the personal freedoms. We've passed two, you know, anti-smoking bills out of Senate Health this year already. This session, one was uh, no smoking in a car if there's a child under the age of 16. It's a secondary offense, a $25 fine. It's it's nothing. They can't pull you over for it. It's, it's kind of a it's small potatoes as far as the fine and stuff, but it, it, it's not small potatoes as far as bringing awareness to the, the fact that in a closed space like that, that the smoking can really affect a child's lungs. Absolutely, and um, allow me to, to bring Senator Stallings into it, and then we'll get into in more detail into those bills. Uh, Senator Stallings, I remember during interims, um, I had run into you, we were talking about the Charleston Gazette Mail, big piece about low life expectancy and how Boone County was among the lowest life expectancy in the country. And so just some, um, you know, just some perspective from you as, uh, as a former chair of this committee, as a longtime member, as a physician yourself, and we should say that uh, both of you gentlemen are physicians. Um, you know, that, that's got, I mean, it hits so close to home. This is your community, your, your family, your people. Well, again, uh, we know that the intersection of health, the economy, and education uh, run together. We've had a mass exodus in southern West Virginia. It was back in the f 50s, they call it reading, writing, and Route 21. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what you did. So now it's reading, writing, and write, and Route 77. So we've, our healthy people, the young people, have moved out. So that does leave us with a, a vulnerable population, an older population. Uh, and so, uh, some of the uh, demographics are skewed a little bit, but at the same time, you know, we don't exercise as much as we should. We have an obesity issue. We use tobacco more than we should. We have a tobacco issue. And we know that, that these are big cost drivers also. But will you, will you uh, confirm that there have been missed opportunities here in the, in the legislature? We've had these bills come out of health and they just don't get traction because of that personal freedom uh, belief. Well, there's no question uh, that, uh, you know, in fact, I tried to dis you know, I tried to waive the second reference uh, to judiciary uh, for the Tobacco 21 bill. We Ta know what it is. Elaborate on the Tobacco 21. It just, uh, it just got out of your committee yesterday. Yep. And uh, again, it raises the age which you can buy tobacco products, including vape products, to 21. Mm -hmm. We know that if we do that, that there'll be less people addicted because the older you are when you first use an addictive product, mm -hmm. uh, uh, something or other, it, it, the less apt you are to be uh, addicted. Uh, we know that uh, uh, that that would go a long way in, in uh, stemming the amount of smoking. We also know that if you lower smoking rates by just one percent, you save 26 million dollars. And if you lower the obesity rates by just one percent in West Virginia, you save 56 million dollars. That's staggering. So you are trying to get it. Uh, you you are trying to get that second wave, uh, the second reference waived. Uh, Chairman, is is that going to happen? Well, it actually didn't happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's over. Uh, the uh, Ron made an effort. It didn't it didn't happen. Uh, Judiciary Chair has a uh, um, uh, has become more open minded on this uh, bill, particular in particular the Tobacco Twenty One. Uh, over the last few years, the only years I've been here, uh, I noticed that this year, and I think that there's a there's hope for that bill. 
a lot of our surrounding states are moving that way. A lot of other mm. states are moving that way. There's been a lot of metropolitan areas that pass city ordinances that are moving that way. Believe it or not, uh, big tobacco is now moving that mm -hmm. way to say, listen, we, this is how we make our money, but we're, we think you should wait till you're 21 to start. And th with, with more of that, if more of them get on board, it'll, it'll make it a um, less of an uphill climb, I think. I want to go on to um, an, another bill, um, and that is House Bill 2351, and it's now turned into, what, Senate Bill 5? No, um, no, it, it is it is House Bill twenty three fifty one. It came across, but 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 we, it's essentially what was in Senate Bill five. Yeah, we did a strike and a certain amendment, okay. so it's it's more it's closer to Senate Bill five. And the, what does this do? It's a it's a prior author, authorization bill. So basically, when a patient is trying to get in, he goes to see their doctor, and the doctor needs an authorization to start him on a medicine, to order an EKG or an imaging test or any, anything, they, they have to get an authorization from the insurance company. And it's a big hassle at times, depending on what you're trying to get and what the, who the insurance company is. Some are better than others as far as uh, providing these. Um, so this bill actually requires, it, it, it makes that process more standard across all the insurance companies with similar forms. Uh, it requires them to uh, have an electronic accept format for acceptance as opposed to telephone. And it also has deadlines on when they have to respond. They, gotta res they have to respond within 48 hours if it's urgent and within seven days if it's routine. Uh, and you know, sometimes people would wait months, or at least a month before they found out. Uh, Senator Stallings, you know, as, as, as a physician, that must um, just be so uh, frustrating and infuriating uh, when you have a patient that needs this treatment and they're waiting for the bureaucratic stuff to, to roll out. Yeah, and what's really sad is almost always these authorizations are given. But for example, what if you were diagnosed with cancer and before you could get any treatment for cancer, you had to have a, like a PET scan or an MRI to stage the cancer. Uh, and, and you're waiting there. You, first of all, you've gotten a diagnosis. So it just, it just hurts. It's an emotional uh, wreck. Uh, when you you know and it shouldn't happen that way why should a very well-respected physician have to get face-to-face -face? it's called face-to-face -face if it doesn't get the uh, initial review and why should they have to take time out of their busy practice and again these are all granted and it's getting worse I talked to the folks yesterday it was hospital day at, at the legislature and they're very upset Cancer treatment is being delayed because of this uh, prior authorization. So I actually have a separate bill in uh, that deals with cancer care. That for mm -hmm. the purpose of staging cancer, you don't have to have prior authorization if you follow the NCCN guidelines. And and where is that bill? Uh, it's in uh, it's going it's in health. It's, it's sitting okay. it's, it's sitting in Senate Health. The um, we may run that bill. Uh, we I've talked to Ron about this bill a few times. The um, it's the prior off bill that we have will definitely make that issue a lot better. For instance, um, there's no way anyone would have to wait for more than seven days. So if they got diagnosed with cancer on a Monday, and if once this 2351 passes, that they would have seven days in order to respond to a prior off. And so that makes that problem go away to a certain extent. Uh, however, uh, if it was a cancer diagnosis, and someone was diagnosed on Monday, and if we run it, Ron's other bill, 
theoretically they could have their imaging on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, as long as the hospital could accommodate, and, and that would um, that would change, uh, that would potentially make things better from a patient care mm -hmm. standpoint. Uh, Ron's right, 98, 99% of these things get approved anyways, but sometimes people are waiting three to four weeks to get their tests, and, and even though the vast majority of times it doesn't affect the outcome of the disease, it, it adds a lot of stress to the fam yeah. to the family, and that's that's a that's a big deal. Another bill that your committee will be handling is the 2010 foster care bill. Now we've heard they're going to the managed care system with or without your blessing. That's what they're doing. So, uh, you know, in terms of what you can affect in in the the revamping of the foster care system, what is being talked about in your committee? What are you focusing on? Because that's a House bill, we haven't, you know, we only have a, we have a limit to get Senate bills out. Mm -hmm. So we have, after crossover day, we have a lot of time to deal with that. So it's, mm -hmm. it's gonna be a big bill. It'll, when the, the day that it makes the agenda, and it will make the agenda, it'll be the only bill on the agenda. And it's a, you're correct, DHHR is moving to managed care. They do not believe they need legislative authority to, to do that, to make that move. They would like it, because that would, that would, uh, you know, uh, limit any potential lawsuits from any of the any of the people affected, saying you can't move to an MCO. So, so it would help them, although they do believe they have that authority. Uh, my opinion would be, they're going to do it anyways. Uh, let's make it better. And while this part of the code's open, let's make foster care as good as we can. I think the House did a pretty good job with this bill. I think we can make it maybe a little bit better. And where? Where can you make it better? It, better, better coordination of care, mm -hmm. frankly. Uh, uh, you know, bringing in the kinship care, which is such an mm -hmm. important piece of this. Uh, if you can't, if the mom or dad or you know can't take care of the child, then having them in a the people that they know it would be a lot better. Coordination of care, of course, is uh, something that the managed care organizations think they can do better. Uh, I, th I think there could be some cost savings. I can tell you though, we created this mess by cutting DHHR so much over the past three years and at the same time that uh, the, the opioid epidemic, substance use disorder epidemic went through the roof. So it's, it's kind of on us, if you would, and, and uh, maybe this is a way to help fix it. But uh, it's controversial anytime you, you change something, it's uh, very controversial. There's, there's a few parts of this bill that could definitely make it better. One is uh, the House uh, was an amendment, they put in an ombudsman, okay? So that's a direct, that's a person that's gonna be, their job is gonna be handle complaints, from the foster children and or families which how, with regarding how they're being treated by the MCO. So they have a direct line of access to someone to make a complaint to, and then they're required to form a statewide network to, to show how many complaints they're getting all over the state, So and they have to report to us. So we'll be able to see that. The, the two most contentious parts of this is one, one of the biggest issues, and one of the reasons this bill came about in the first place is the fact that West Virginia has so many kids out of state. Um, 500 foster kids are out of the state of West Virginia and we have residential homes, group homes that have capacity. So that's, that's the whole no eject, no reject clause that was put in in the House. It was actually, I think it was in the bill initially, came out in one of the three committees and then went back in on the floor. And so it's, as, as the bill sits in my committee, it's, it's, it's in there. And that'll get a lot of talk and the other, the other component that gets a lot of uh, uh, chatter on this bill is the uh, performance-based contracts for the child placing agencies. So there's a group of child placement agencies 
and this bill requires them to use, I said contracts, but it's performance-based placements. Mm -hmm. So they have to use a performance-based model that takes into account child's well-being and safety and permanency that it, in order to uh, uh, do the placements. And some of them are already doing that, others aren't. And that, that's a point of contention with some of the ones that aren't. Um, Senator Stallings, you mentioned one of the reasons why this, you know, we have so many thousands in um, foster care, of course, is the um, substance use uh, epidemic. Um, in, in the couple minutes that we have left, what is this committee doing in terms of substance use disorder? Are you linking it all with what the governor is trying to do with his council? What, give us an update there. If, if nothing else, we're trying to treat, we now know that addiction is, an, is a chronic illness. It's not a you know, moral failure. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, and, and what we're having to do, and whether or not we need to pass legislation, we have to integrate treatment into primary care, medication-assisted treatment or any kind of treatment. And now we understand also that you have to have these wraparound services. You can't send these people that have been in recovery back to their same environment or they're going to reuse and, and end up being a statistic. An, an exciting thing that uh, we talked about with uh, uh, Dr. Haskins is the uh, real-time reporting for uh, the rapid response team so if you are overdosing or something and you see like a bad batch of heroin or something or, or with carfentanil that we can pick up on that quickly and, and again try to avoid overdoses. All right I'm gonna have to have that as the last word we're, we're out of time. Senator Maroney, Senator Stallings, thank you both so much for, for joining us thank tonight. You, and that is uh, the, this night's uh, program. I'm Suzanne Higgins. For everyone here at West Virginia Public Broadcasting, thanks for joining us. Have a great evening.